You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of the most wonderful men I have ever known was Karl Lauterbach. He was an elder and a deacon in a church where I had served in Louisville, Kentucky. He was a loving husband, a devoted father, a good friend, and an amazing award-winning watercolor artist of the local renown. I wanted Carl to help me in small group ministries by teaching a watercolor painting class when I first started working there. But when I asked him to teach, he very plainly and simply said, no, I am not a teacher. So I asked him again, and he said the same thing. And over and over, I kept asking, maybe pestering him, or maybe a little harassing him, like I've never done it to any of you. <laughs> so finally, I said, he was painting his friend's house, and I went and sat there, and I kept asking this question. Finally, Carl said to me, Mingi, ask me differently. So I said, Carl, would you come and paint watercolor with me and a bunch of church members once a week in the church? He said, sure, I would love to. And, and so I remember he said, I'm not a teacher. So then I said, may I please call the class watercolor painting with Carl? He said, okay, that would be fine. So I thought to myself, ha, I got him. And it was on his own terms, but I got him fair and square. So as we painted together, Carl helped each of us. It was a setting of like a rectangular um, setting with tables. He would go around behind, our, behind us and he can look at what we were painting. He would sometimes bring a scene that he's painting, and some, yeah, that's Carl Lauterbach, and then sometimes he would tell us to bring whatever we want to paint or try to paint. 
and he helps each of us. Sometimes he would paint on our own paintings to help us um, improve and so we can see how it's done. I came to realize that some of my paintings were all on my own, done by my own, and some were 20% or 40% Carl. And some were 90% Carl and only 10% me. Other times, Carl would take a new piece of paper and he would very quickly paint to demonstrate how the painting is done and he tossed it to the trash basket. And as soon as he turns his back, I would dash and run over and pick up the painting out of the trash can because they are beautiful. And then I would try to ask him to sign those I retrieved from the trash baskets. Of course, he, he's a real painter, he wouldn't sign. Well, sign or not, I treasured all his paintings. I came to realize that even on my paintings that Carl has never seen or touched, his spirit was there. And like this is um, his throwaway, I wish it's clearer. And I said to him one evening, I would like to learn to paint a field of daisies. And he said, I've never painted a field of daisies, but we can see how it could be. So then he threw it away and I took it home. <laughs> I still have it, obviously. So those paintings became analogies for me about life and friendship. In the beginning, I thought I had gotten Carl to help me and start a class. But I now realize he got me to know myself better and to become a little bit better a painter. Not that I ever became a good painter, but I can lose myself for hours in watercolor painting and have a really good time. I could even forget about eating or bacon when I'm watercolor painting. That's a big deal for me. So Psalm 139 is like one of those paintings. It is about God and the psalmist. It is a celebration of their profound relationship. I wanted what I had learned from Carl to transform every part of my painting. And the psalmist wants being known by God to transform every part of his, himself. He wants everything about who and what he is to reflect the image and nature of God. The psalmist wants this because he has learned that the more God knows him, the more he feels God loves him. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we read that God said, let us make humankind in our own image according to our own likeness. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In being known by God, we discover how much we bear and share the likeness of God. Surely that is our highest honor. Definitely it is the most wonderful way to live. It is not easy to live being known by God we want to define ourselves for ourselves sometimes. We want to choose what gets to know who we are. But Psalm 100 verse 3 tells us, it is God who made us and we are God's own. We are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture. 
We don't get to determine who we are. God made us. God decides. We are the work of God's hands. We are the picture God has painted with love. God's nature and artistry are seen in every part of us. God knows us completely. The psalmist of Psalm 139 wants us to rejoice in being God's and being known by God completely. That knowledge, he says, is a knowledge of love and it is the path of our salvation. Sometimes, as human beings, we are afraid that we will not, up, we will not live up to God's expectation. And because God made us with freedom and choice, sometimes we try to run away from God. The psalmist has those same feelings of wanting to run away from God, but he reaches us and teaches us that running away from God only postpones our experience of the wonder of God's love for us. No matter where we run, we are still God's own and we still bear God's own image and likeness. Every place we might go, God is there waiting to love us and to help us. There is a wonderful children's story I would like to share with you. It is one of my favorite stories. It is called The Runaway Bunny by Margaret Weiss Brown, written 75 years ago. In the story, a little bunny talks with his mother about running away and it goes like this. I am running away. If you run away, I'll run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you, run, if you run after me, I will become a fish in a trout stream, and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, I'll become a fisherman, and I'll fish for you. If you become a fisherman, I will become a rock on a high mountain, high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above me, I will become a mountain climber and I'll climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, I will become a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus in a hidden garden, I'll be a gardener and I'll find you. If you are a gardener and find me, I will be a bird and fly away from you. If you become a bird and fly away from me, I will be a tree that you come home to. If you become a tree, I will become a little sailboat and I will sail away from you. If you become a sailboat and sail away from me, I will become the wind and blow you where I want you to go. If you become the wind and blow me, I will join a circus and fly away on a flying trapeze. If you go flying on a flying trapeze, I'll be a tightrope walker and I'll walk across the air to you. If you become a tightrope walker and walk across the air, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, I'll become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Shucks, I might just as well stay where I am and become your little bunny. So he did. Have a carrot, said the mother bunny. How many of you have read that story? And I, I thought as I was preparing for this sermon, and I read Psalm 139 um, that Kevin read to us over and over. When I first sat down to write my sermon, this was the first that popped 
into my mind and my heart, the image. I was wondering if Margaret Brown was thinking about one, Psalm 139 when she wrote this uh, runaway bunny. I wouldn't know, but it obviously is very much the same story to me. The point is that the little bunny's mother knows him completely and loves him completely. God, as portrayed in Psalm 139, is like that mother bunny. God knows us completely and loves us completely. Such a God is not to be feared. The psalmist is teaching us that when we choose to live in the heart of God's love, we will know joy. The psalmist is also not naive. He knows we sin, and he is asking us and encouraging us when we sin not to hide away from God, but let God know our sins and let God forgive us and continue to love us. Like the psalmist, we too may also say today and in the days ahead, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if, it, if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So today, as we walk in the way everlasting, we are invited to the Lord's table right here. It's not a Presbyterian table or Church of the Palms table. It is the Lord's table. Our Lord Jesus Christ invite us, all of us, completely knowing us and loving us to come and be the guest at the table. And as we celebrate in coming to the communion table, then only we will be able to celebrate the wonder and joy of being known by God completely. For that love and that knowledge of God of us, we say thanks be to God. Amen.